This podcast is a little different. I have a friend named Ebony. She's black. And she has a friend named Wendell. He's black. I thought they could speak on the George Floyd thing a lot better than I could. And so I just had a conversation with them, a real conversation, which you're going to hear for the next hour on the podcast. It's just me and those two. Amber offered to be part of it. And I just told her I thought I'd be more comfortable if I was just talking to him by myself. So that's what happened. And that's why I'm by myself. And here it is. Because we want you to listen, well, whenever. The Amber and Brooks Whatever Show. All right, so uh, here with me we have uh, Ebony McAllister and Wendell Reese. Um, just want to say a couple things here before we get started. Um, first of all, for anyone who's watching this on Facebook Live, um, maybe you know me. I'm Brooks Williams from the Amber Brooks Morning Show, and this is an obvious situation to where I'm not an expert on it. Um, there's been these protests over the last week here after the killing of George Floyd, and it's not like this is brand new stuff. This is just the latest thing that happened. And I have sat here and thought, you know, what what can I do to help this situation? Anything like this happens, that's my best. Uh, that's what I try my best to do. And it, this one took a while because I didn't know what angle, what I could possibly do to help. And so finally, I thought, well, let's get some uh, some people who actually know what they're doing on here. Um, and that's where I came. I know Ebony. Ebony uh, used to work at Louis and Broken Arrow, now uh, in Oklahoma City. We'll get in your guys' background. And then Ebony knows uh, Wendell. So um, she brought him on, too, just for another perspective. But just a little bit of my background uh, for you two and also anybody watching on Facebook Live. I come from Springfield, Missouri, where it is 92% white, um, which is... And I actually, I come from Nixon, Missouri, which is just south of Springfield, just a little smaller city. And it is even more so white. I graduated with, I think, maybe two, or if that, two, two black kids in my class, my entire class. So I was born into a very non-diverse area. It wasn't something I chose. I mean, it's just where I was born, where my parents lived, all of that. Um, so obviously since then I was, wasn't around anybody of color growing up and, um, a little bit as I got older, uh, playing sports and different things like that against different people from different schools. Cause again, there weren't any at my school. Um, but when it started really kicking in was I got a little taste of diversity whenever I went to my one semester of college. And then, uh, then I went to St. Louis for six months after that to broadcast school. And so between those two, it was one was just south of Kansas City. The other was in St. Louis. So a little more diversity there. And uh, Wendell and I were talking uh, before we started about how Tulsa wouldn't be considered necessarily diverse. But if you compare it to where I've been, it's very diverse. Um, I I know a guy who now lives in Springfield who's from Tulsa. And whenever he came there, that's the first thing he pointed out was, wow, I thought I thought Tulsa was white, but. Wow, Springfield is really white. Again, wow. in the 2010 census, 92% white. <laughs> so um, that's why I brought you guys in um, because you need, need to – I have some questions, and I'm sure you have some answers for me. And I think the biggest issue, you know, one of the biggest issues just from my side, that is people are afraid to ask questions. People are afraid to ask the wrong questions. Um, don't know what's right, what's wrong, like what is, what's going to offend somebody. Just uneducated. 
So I decided, you know, what I can do is ask those stupid questions for them. And so we'll get into those questions. Oh, you know, I'm going to have some stupid questions. Uh, so before we get into those questions, though, if you guys just want to kind of give us a background of, of who you are, uh, where you're from, all of that, Ebony, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I maybe not as bad as you, but the same. I grew up in Ada, Oklahoma, um, very small town. I don't know the percentage of white, but definitely predominantly white. Right. Even myself, I think I could count on two hands how many black kids I graduated with, two. Um, only black kid in majority of my classes, if not all. Um, I then went on to Oklahoma State University, which also is a predominantly white institution. Mm -hmm. So I've had the same thing, you know, mo which unfortunately is for most black Americans in Oklahoma. You know, it's just a predominantly white state, so. Okay, and you, and you live in Oklahoma City now, like. Yes. You, I don't well, know Mustang. where. Oh, that's right. Mustang. Just so not even Oklahoma really Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City but. Okay. So are you in a my, more diverse area at all now? No. No. Okay. I didn't figure. <laughs> I wasn't super familiar, but uh, I didn't think so. But okay. No. And then uh, Wendell, you want to give us kind of a background with you? Yeah. I'm not far uh, from where Ebony was. I grew up in Seminole, Oklahoma. Um, it's a predominantly white Native American um there is a, a handful of black people mm -hmm. that were there. Like I um maybe graduated with five to ten, maybe, right. but it's a it's a it's a fairly small town. <laughs> um but I live in um Dallas, Texas now. Oh, okay. I live, out, I live out in Dallas. I've been out here for the past four years. Um and as far as where I'm at now, like it's a really uh culturally diverse area. Like the the school I work at is really culturally diverse. Um, I've I've met kids that are from African backgrounds, um, Native American backgrounds, people from India, um, all sorts of backgrounds. People of Asian descent, Oriental descent. Like I've met you know several different backgrounds. Like most both districts I've worked in uh, in in Dallas are are a lot more culturally diverse than uh, what I was used to. And what uh, what grade do you teach? I teach seventh grade. I teach uh, Texas history. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah, be, not being from Texas. Yeah, I was te gonna say, leave it to Texas <laughs> to have, yeah. have <laughs> to have a history just about their state because that's not a thing in Oklahoma or Missouri. No, no Oklahoma has Oklahoma history. Oh, they do. Yes, Oklahoma history is like, but it's just like one semester. When I was, oh, okay. it gotcha. was just one semester. But uh, in seventh grade, we have a whole like year of Texas history. So. Wow. I was able to learn a significant amount about Texas. That right. I yeah, I bet. And how much Texans love Texas. So <laughs> I've heard that a time or two. <laughs> okay. So um, we've dealt with this. And actually, I'm, this is a good timing for when we're doing this because last night in Tulsa, of course, there's been protests, um, you know, for the last five days, five, six days. And last night was the first night that it was a completely peaceful protest. Most, most of them have been all but a little bit it's people are coming in getting unruly and we try to be as clear about that as possible is mm -hmm. it seems like it's always these people that are just taking advantage of the distraction and it's yeah. a lot of teenagers um in, in Tulsa at least I can't speak for um you know where you're close to Oklahoma City or in Dallas those protests but it's been uh, majorly peaceful in Tulsa so I'm, I'm proud of that and I am 
all for you know speaking up and and standing up for what you believe. Have either of you guys joined any of the protests in your city? I have not been able to um, join the protest in Oklahoma City. Unfortunately, I was out of state, um, but my little sister and cousin both attended the Oklahoma City protests here on Sunday. Did they tell you about their experience at all? Yeah, I talked to my little sister last night. She said that it was amazing. It was wonderful. Um, everybody was so united. Right. Um, it was peaceful. There wasn't any, you know, it, it was, she's, she wanted to know that it was peaceful and they were fighting against all police brutality in mm-hmm. general, but especially among minorities, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Then Wendell. I have not been to any protests. Um, I've talked to my little brother cause my little brother went to the Oklahoma city protest and he was saying the same thing. Uh, Ebony has said, um, people were united. Now there were, I guess, a few issues um, that popped up here and there, um, but for the most part, like people were really united and fighting against um, systematic brutality and, and everything else that was there. Yeah, and like I said, I just want to emphasize that seems to be the case. And in Tulsa, it always seems mm-hmm. like it's a second wind of people who are like, oh, there's a distraction. Let's go and break some windows and yes. uh, cause some trouble. But um, I've even heard that uh, one of the major people who have set up the protest here in Tulsa. She has also been a big part of uh, setting up the cleanup in Tulsa afterwards, whenever there were, because uh, if you're anyone who's familiar with Tulsa, the Brookside area was uh, damaged on the first night. All my days are running together, though. It was, I think it was Sunday night when that was damaged. And then uh, another one was Woodland Hills Mall area was damaged. And uh, from what I understand, she was a big part of that aftermath. So, that, you know, that's great to see. So whenever I see these protests, I always see, obviously they're getting attention. Um, everyone, I mean, that's the biggest thing going on in America. All of a sudden, you know, no one's talking about COVID-19 for the most part. So like it's, it's yeah. taken over. So, um, so it's getting the attention. It's doing that regardless, but there's obviously more than that. I mean, what, if you guys, you know, you obviously support the protests, what do you want them to achieve? You want to go ahead? Oh, go ahead. Uh, essentially, it is about bringing attention um, to what is happening. Um, but what I want them to achieve is to understand that we are literally all in this together. Like, you see, if you look at the protests, there are people of all races, um, nationality, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. What I really want to achieve is peace. You know, just what everybody else wants. I want. Um, people to be held accountable for their actions. Um, I want, um, I want um, things not to be denied when they're brought to the forefront. I want, if if something happens, then it should be acted on fairly quickly. There shouldn't be waiting. There shouldn't be now. There should be an investigation, obviously. Right. Um, but w- I want people to be held accountable for their actions consistently. That's what I want. That's what I want anyway. Me too. Yeah. I like that. Well, what so you is, said. I like what you said. Well, okay. So my question to that, just to follow up, is what is the course of action? I mean, these these are all, you know, fine and good. Obviously, those things are great if they happen. Mm-hmm. But walking in a protest doesn't automatically mean, oh, those are fixed. So right. what is the course of action after the attention is brought to the protest? Um, anything that you would suggest or hope that happens? Um, writing your politicians, I mean, running for office, um, 
being actively part of, because I, I know that there are organizations out there that are actively a part of more than just the protests. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to specific areas, you, you will see um, mothers against destructive decisions or students against destructive decisions actively being a part of those organizations long after the protests happen. So if you are an active part of the protests, then like I said, you write, you, um, you lobby. There are people that lobby against um, gun violence. There are people that lobby um, against police brutality. So um, what I want to happen from these protests and what course of actions we take is continually, continuously being involved. So my role as an educator, and this is where I, I feel like my calling is, is to actively educate children um, on, on the history of the United States, yeah, including the history of Texas, yeah. but actively educate those um, as they go forward to the next portion of their life. So if you are part in the act of education, then you can be a part of the eradication of racism. You can be a part of the eradication of uh, systemic oppression, systemic racism, all the things that come along with it. So also not, not turning a blind eye when you see something. Like if we don't want to talk about a course of action is actively holding people accountable and making sure that you're not turning a blind eye when you see something, believing that somebody else will take care of it. Right. Yeah, instead of just getting out your phone and recording it. Yes. Well, and, and those instances too, because there are people that will get out their phone and record it, but they need some sort of evidence to back no, them up. Yeah, okay, I get that side of it. But I'm it, just saying instead are, of if you're able to... Uh, yeah. to stop it obviously they're with the george floyd thing specifically they're not going to be and go and push the the police officer off them or anything i mean that's that just would, not that would bring heat on them too right exactly we want people to actively intervene and they say oh well let them handle it now and then fight it in court but what we've seen from these instances of police brutality is that these people aren't even getting the opportunity to make it to court mm -hmm. the People aren't able to go through the due process of law. These people aren't able to live through these, um, through these situations. So it doesn't, it doesn't balance out. Like, yes, we want you to intervene. Yes, we want um, people to come out of this safely. But people, if they have committed a crime, then they should be able to go through the due process of law. Like, they, like they should. Police officers should not be able to be judge, jury, and executioner. Right. As much as we talk about there's not a lot of like problems within um, the police community. If there are good, good police officers, I would like for them to hold those bad police yeah, officers accountable. Yeah. That's what I want. I want account. I want consistent accountability. Like I'm not, I ain't, I'm not asking for parades. I'm not asking. Um, I'm not asking for a light show. What I want is consistent equality and consistently people being held accountable for their actions. Okay. What's the, what's the action that you want Ebony after uh, following the protests, you mean from from the from what the protests are doing? What I want? To, yeah. So to I mean, it's that's that's the part that's bringing attention to it and stopping people. But there's going to be if if it, just these protests happen and then all of a sudden nothing is done after them. I mean, it doesn't do anything, uh -huh. right? So what's the follow up yeah. action to the protests? For me, I want people to take these protests and and ask why why it's happening. I see a lot of people getting caught up in the rioting, the looting, and they don't know what we're really fighting for or why. I want people to educate themselves. I want people to want to learn. I want people to want to understand systemic oppression, want to understand police brutality, why we're so angry, what's going on. I want people to, to really just want to know and understand. 
I see too many people, like Wendell said, just turning a blind eye, whatever. They let, you know, one bad thing happen. Okay, it's over. But they, I did stand for it until I saw somebody stealing. Now it's just all, but I want them to look at the cause behind it and truly want to understand it, you know? Okay, so- And like you said, calling your congressman, voting. Mm-hmm. That yes. is the main thing. Yes. Vote, yes. please. Um, there's so much. You can donate. Oh, well, yes, there's, I mean- There's, there's so many actions you can be taking. There really is. There is, 100%. And I just- and I don't mean to talk over you, Ebony. I no, no, you go. But I just, I there's so many, there's so many avenues that you can take. Um, but again, it's all of a problem. It's all of our problem. That's not, so many people as oh, it's just a black problem. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. a black problem. No, it's every single person's problem. And the moment that we look at it as every single person's problem, then things will start to improve consistently, not just every now and again, not just you know here and there. But people's mm-hmm. problems will cons- will will um, improve consistently if they put themselves in those people's shoes and think, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't let this go past, or maybe I shouldn't, or maybe somebody else is going to handle it. No, the moment that you put yourself in those people's shoes and you are like, okay, well, what would what would happen if this happened to me? Like, how would I want people yeah. to react if this happened to me? Exactly. So, uh, and not to put you on the spot on this one, just something you guys said before made me think of this. Uh, so just using the, the George Floyd, for example, um, there's no way that, I mean, just being realistic here, there's no way that Minneapolis Police Department would have hired this guy, you would like to think at least, thinking he was capable of doing something like this. So what would you hope that would be done to police officers beforehand? Because it's not like, I mean, I'm just I'm just picturing the interview saying, okay, hypothetically, you're in this scenario where George Floyd, and they give the whole George Floyd scenario. And then if he's truthful about it, all of a sudden he said, well, I'd put my knee on his neck and mm-hmm. they're not going to hire him for that. So how do you, you, you can't, you can't expect to know how every person is going to handle every situation, um, whether what they should do or not. I mean, I get it that he shouldn't have done that, but you, you'd like to think that Minneapolis police department wouldn't have hired him if they knew he was going to react that way. So what can police departments know or do to kind of weed out those people's, those people? For, for one thing, they can take complaints against the officer seriously. I think he had, what, like 18 complaints against him? He shouldn't have even been, he shouldn't even still been in active service, first of all. Right. So we can start by taking complaints and looking deeper into them. That's one. Um, and then you can start all the way back with police training. Train them different. Train them to take, to do more steps before they feel the need to use excessive force. You know what I mean? Yeah, anything to add to that, Wendell? Um, I don't know because I, I don't know anything specifically about police training. Like I don't know. Right. No, that's fair. That the the steps that they have to take and what they go through um, to fully get their um, I don't know to to be able to walk the street to be able to uh, enforce the law. I don't I don't specifically know what their background is. I don't I don't know what they go through. Now I've, I have I have friends that are police officers that have kind of enlightened me on what they mm-hmm. go through. Um, but I know as a teacher, it's a very extensive process to be able to educate. Now, I'm not comparing the two um, the two fields, but I know it's a very extensive process. I know I had to go through college because um, I, I did um, when I came to Texas, I did an alternative certification. So I had to go through all the courses of alternative certification um, every single year. We have to go through. Um, we have to go through trainings. We have to go through. Um, God, no, it just, it's my mind. 
We have to go through trainings every single year before we come back to school. We have to, and then when we get back to school, we have to go through trainings at that time as well. So there's extensive training um, that goes into, into being a teacher. And the school, that, the school district that I work at, every single day, we had a meeting about planning. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna teach this? Um, what, are some, what are some things that the kids got? What are some things the kids didn't get? So I don't know if police officers go through, okay, what happened out there? What could you have fixed? What could you have done better? So I know, like I said, I know plenty of good police officers that, that actually, that really, really care about what they do and love the people that they, you know, that they interact with. Um, So how much more extensive training can they have um, before they're able to go back out? So that's what I want. If there's, if there's more extensive training to be had, then please add more extensive training because you are protecting everybody. I know, I know police are, um, we're all to be perceived as a threat to them, every single person. So when they go out there told that, okay, every single person that you may meet, don't trust them because they may be perceived as a threat. That bothers me a little bit because I don't want to be perceived as a threat. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably the most non-threatening person. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I don't want that. I don't want my son, my little black son, to be perceived as a threat as he begins to get older. That scares me mm-hmm. because I, I I don't know what more extensive training you can have. If there's a significant amount of more extensive training you can have, please, I, I want to exhaust all avenues before we send people out there that aren't necessarily trained to deal with everybody. Yeah, um, and when, when I knew I was right. going to talk to you, I mean, ever since this stuff happened, I've I've listened to a lot of things. I've read some stuff and just trying to learn then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to throw one thing out at you. Um, credit where credit's due. Um, I was listening to Colin Coward, who does a sports talk show. And he had Steven Jackson, who played for the Rams uh, in mm-hmm. the NFL, on there. And one thing that he suggested was hiring – uh, locally, pe- local people to to be police officers because he had mm-hmm. mentioned that he had never had any bad run-ins with police officers because in his hometown he knew all the people and was familiar with them. So I mean, I know that's not can't be across the board. So I thought that was a right. good suggestion when when it's possible. But for if it's not, I think the you know I've never really thought of the police officer meet and greets that they do, like get to know the community and everything. I don't know if those are a thing here or not. Um, but do you think that is uh, a positive? You think those are worth it and make sense to do the meet and greets where they get out of the community and just meet the people? Yes. 100%. 100%. I, I, I'll tell you about a police officer back in my hometown. His name is Willie Williams. And dog, he is one of the best people that I know, like period one of the best people that I know and he's lived in the community for years and he cares about the people that are there. He, he, he worked out in the streets. He um, was a, a res- I believe he's still a resource officer at the mm-hmm. high school too. I'm not 100% sure, but he was when I worked there. Um, but man, people who care about your community will do anything to make sure that it stays good. Because like I said, I know that police officers 100% especially if they're from that community yeah. and they actually care, then they will make sure that everything goes well. Everything goes to the best of their abilities anyway. Have, uh, have either of you had, because obviously the, the reason this started is uh, police brutality and all these stories are coming out of um, black people who have had bad run-ins with police officers. Do either of you have a situation like that where you feel like you were profiled? Yes. Yeah. Once. 
was going to say, do you mind to tell us the situation? It, it might not have been as intense, obviously, right. as things that are going on now. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think I was, I was a senior in high school, maybe, or a freshman in college, I don't remember, um, driving through my hometown, you know, my windows down, a couple friends in the car. I was pulled over by an officer. Um, he couldn't tell me why he was pulling me over. He asked me, his, I remember, I'll never forget his first question. He said, do you even have a license? Hmm. And I, I, that, that bothered me. Cause I'm like, I'm okay. I don't know why I wouldn't. He read everything. I asked him why I was being pulled over. He couldn't even think of a reason to tell me. And that mm-hmm. has always sat wrong with me. Yeah. But I've also, you know, been pulled over by cops who have let me go, who've given me warnings, you know? Yeah. So I completely understand that there's good and bad. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've had maybe a couple, like um, I remember my, my first one that I vividly remember um, was at the town over, not my hometown, but the town over. Uh, me and a group of kids are just walking through the street, um, like on the side, like the side of the street, not necessarily on the sidewalk, but we're walking through and police car rolls up. He says, y'all need to get out the damn street. And we didn't, we just, we kept walking and he drives down, whips it around and then comes back and saying, we told y'all to get out of the street. Like, I'm like, I'm probably 12 at the time. I didn't understand. Like, we're just, we're just walking. Like, I don't, I don't know right. what issue is about us walking. And it was all black kids. It was 100% all black kids. And I didn't know there was nobody else on the street, but him um, that was driving down the street. But like, I don't, you know, I, I didn't really understand. Maybe he was like, well, maybe he's just trying to protect us. And I'm like, as I, as I begin to get older, I understand that's not what he was trying to do. Yeah, and I, I've heard people say that, you know, it, it's one of those things. Didn't really think about it, but it's funny that both of you said that. Didn't think about it, but, like, looking back now, like, oh, that's what was going on. Yeah, but, I mean, again, like, I, I don't, you know, I've, I, like I said, I've had plenty of officers where we have had good interactions, but right. it's, not, it's not the overwhelming percent. That's not what the problem is. It's not the overwhelming good reactions it's the bad ones we have yeah. like and i and i've had somebody say to me before well it's it's uh we the overwhelming ones are good but you can't really count a bad percentage of it that's just with every with every um with every job and i'm like dog like <laughs> i can't have that like i can't have a bad interaction because that in my life well when you, start, when you start putting it in that situations is that Bad, those minimal bad situations that it may mean my life or it may mean my son's life or it may mean somebody that I love their life. Yes. You stop equating numbers and you start putting faces. Faces to it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, there's that quote going around on a meme from Chris Rock saying this is a police officer is one of those jobs. You can't have a few bad apples. Like it has yeah. to be a hundred percent success rate on that. So yeah. you know, that's what we were talking about before. I don't, I guess I just don't know how you get to that 100% success rate. And I don't think that's attainable, you know, but I, I, don't I don't think, think you can. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. No. With every job, but just because we don't see perfection does not mean we can't strive for perfection. Right. No, that's, that's a good point. And I do, um, we're here on Facebook live and had someone ask, wanted to ask me about my run in with the police. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I answered that. I have only been pulled over twice in my life. Um, the first time was when I was 28 and it was on New Year's Eve. I mean, it wasn't, it was that evening and I was going 35 and a 25 
and um, I got pulled over, and I just got a warning. And there was nothing crazy. I was actually sick there, so I'd, I'd be lying to you if I remember every detail. I was so sick. But um, the next time was since I moved here, I was on 44. Um, at one of the tolls, I was on driving back to Tulsa and going a little fast. I think I was going like 82 and a 75. And um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> well, I know I'm, I'm a bad man. We, ab- we abuse that in Texas. Like, we abuse that. There is, no speed, there is no speed limit in Texas. But, but again, I was um, did not get a ticket, got a warning. Um, but it was, but I also feel like I know we'll, we'll get into the white privilege thing here in a minute. Um, but I, I never once thought like, oh, I got, and I try to be self-aware of things like that. But again, I was going seven over. It was just where I was. He was saying, you just got to be careful here because there's the toll people come in and out from the toll. So, uh, those are my only two real run-ins, um, with police officers that I can think of. Now I did get a parking ticket, which I fought and won. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had proof for that one. Um, yeah. so I just wanted to address that cause somebody did, uh, did want me to answer that. Um, Okay, so over this past weekend, oh, actually, a follow-up to what you were saying before. I have, I do Big Brothers Big Sisters, and my little is a high schooler, and he's black. And he was telling, we were talking about this yesterday, um, hung out, and he was telling me a similar story to you, Wendell. He said he was, there was one, one day a couple years ago where he was just walking to the bus stop, and all of a sudden a cop pulls up, and it was like uh, – you could tell he's off duty, he said, and he said he just kept questioning him. He said, I'm just trying to get to school, and I'm going to be late, and then eventually left. But it was, you know, he felt a little harassed. I mean, obviously it wasn't an extreme situation, but it was still one of those things where he's like, oh, that's what's going on here. So, right. um, okay, so a couple of days ago, people were, you know, shown, trying to show support. And I do need to, I guess, kind of defend, uh, because I, I was part of this too, the things like Blackout Tuesday, I, I think people are struggling. Um, white people like me are struggling like, well, what can I do? So I see that going around. I'm like, okay, if this shows support for them, then this is something obviously super minor that I can do. But if this is what it, you know, if they see that people are behind them or whatever, at least that means something. Do things like that mean anything to you guys? Like yes. Blackout Tuesday and, and, and the the show support did mean something, but it was also about so much more than a black square. Yes, you were supposed to post a black square and support, but it was also a blackout yeah. so that you could use that time um, instead of looking at other posts about people's businesses or whatever to educate yourself on what was going on. That was the main goal of the blackout was to use that to educate yourself on everything that's going on. So if, if you just post way. that and do nothing else, you don't like then that. It, then you didn't do anything. Right. Wendell, you have anything more on that one? Um, I, I was okay with the black square. Like, okay, you're showing support. But remember we talked about a little bit earlier, what are you doing? What are you doing to actually show support outside of that? The course of action following that. What, what course of actions are you following? Um, and I'll go back to being an educator again. Like, I'm showing support for every single person in that school. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm there to teach them. I'm there to love them. So whether they're white, black, homosexual, um, transgender, whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I am there to love them and I am there to show them support. So it matters more. Yes, you're showing support with the black square. Okay. 
but what is your course of action behind that? Like, what are, what more are you doing to help those people behind that? Yeah. Are you advocating for them? Are you going out and speaking for them? Like, if you're, all you're putting is a black square, then all that did was ease your guilt. If you that's have. fair. Yeah, and... If that's all you did. But from your, from your standpoint, looking and say it's someone that you aren't, you don't talk to on a normal basis, um, so you don't know... You, you just don't know what their course of action is after that. Right. So you still, right. um, you still like the fact that they're showing that. I mean, just if that's all absolutely. you know, you're okay with that part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with them okay. showing that square. Like I'm okay with you advocating, but yes. what are you going to do after that? Like after these next 24, 48, 72 hours after that's over, what are you, what are you going to do to advocate for them? Okay. So um, this is more a, a generic thing. Um, what do you want us to to understand? What what can we do to to understand what you guys are going through? And um, what yeah, what would your message be on that? Uh, listen, if if we if we really want to get over this, if we really want to move forward, listen. Like, don't argue just to argue. Don't argue to prove your point. Um, because if you're arguing to prove, to prove your point, then I'm, it's like talking to a brick wall. Like I've had to educate myself on, on stuff that I didn't see was a problem, but it really is a problem. Yeah. Like I had to educate myself on being more intentional with the history that I learned, being more intentional with, uh, the things that I say, what I do. I had to be more intentional with that because I owe it to the people that I'm teaching. Like I said, if I want to truly advocate for them and truly love them and truly care about them, then I will educate myself on the history beforehand of how we got to where we're at now. Have anything to add there? I'm with him. Listen, listen to understand and to receive it. So many people, they listen, but they're only listening so they can give you a rebuttal. We'll wait. But this, yeah. but listen to truly understand and receive it and learn and educate yourself. Yeah, and I know you got this might be, I might need to ask uh, an older group of people this question, mm -hmm. but I'm just wondering how much worse that has gotten since social media has started. I mean, is that. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? What's worse? The rebuttal thing that you're talking about. It's like oh, the rebuttal because oh, you're yeah, obviously seeing it with the social media, <laughs> yeah. but I was it's, curious if you, if you guys still got that beforehand or if it's just like now people are in social media so used to giving their opinion on things that they just feel so comfortable. Just, it's almost as if they're sitting behind that keyboard whenever they're just waiting for you mm -hmm. to, to finish your sentence so they can jump in. Is that, has that changed with social media that you've noticed? And again, I know you guys are a little younger, so I don't know if you even remember that beforehand. You see it more now. It's, it's see it. You see yeah. it more. It's tipping your fingers. So there may be rebuttals, but they may be just talking about it in their own house. Right. Or they pick that phone up, or they get on that computer, or iPad, or Android, or whatever. They can rebuttal, and it's out there in the world now. So some people argue just to argue. Some people argue just to throw out a rebuttal. But there's, I wouldn't say that there's more of them. I would just say now I can see everybody's opinion. Okay, exactly. just bringing it uh, more to light. But you got to admit, all all things get solved on Facebook. So can you really blame <laughs> them for, for doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, so the the big action is is listen for, for on our side of things. Listen to you. That's yeah. the yes. that's the big message you would give. Yes. And, edu- and educate yourself. Educate yourself. Yes. There's plenty of books out there that you can I say read a book, watch a documentary. Yes. Yeah, you know I can't. Like, that's not very nice. The Thirteenth. The Thirteenth yes. by Ever DuVernay is a great is a great documentary you can watch. Just Mercy is free for the oh, whole right. month. Oh right, yeah, I saw that. For the whole month of June, like yes. go watch that. Like go under, go figure out what Juneteenth is. Go redlining. Go figure out what um, predatory lending is. Go figure yes. out what systemic oppression, systemic. Go figure all those things out, and then then we can have a honest discourse because now you know, and if you yes. don't. You can ask questions and then we can dive a little bit more deeper because I know I don't know everything. Like I know for a fact I don't know everything. I could live a million years on this earth and not know everything. But again, just because I'm not perfect doesn't mean I can't strive for perfection. And that's the same thing I would ask for anybody else. Uh, something you said there made me think it's something I should have asked uh, beforehand. And now I'm forgetting what it was. What did you just say? Um <laughs> I knew I was going to do this at some point. I have the worst memory ever. I'm like, I just thought, of, hey, me, maybe I should ask this. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, my wife on. gets mad at me for having a terrible memory. Like, I <laughs> leave everything everywhere. I lose my wallet every day. Like, I get in trouble all the time, so I get it. All right. So I'll just move on to the next thing. Maybe that'll come back to me. Um, we, we mentioned we were going to bring this up earlier. So what is what is white privilege to you? Um, To me... I'm sorry. You know what, Ebony? I've been doing a bunch of talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, listen. I've been doing a bunch of talking. I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm, you, this is for you. This is your platform. I'm, I want I'm you to talk. I'm an educator. I'm an educator. I want no, you man. to talk. I'm sure. talking. I'm sorry. Trust me. Uh, I've heard Ebony talk a lot. So You know what? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, to me, and my wife, my wife is white, and she understands that um, – Used to, it could just be a situation that you didn't really have to put yourself in. You could, you could go, you could see somebody dealing with something. Uh, you could see somebody dealing with racism. You could see somebody dealing with anything else, and then you can go home and not ever talk about it and never come up in a dinner conversation. Like I've had to sit with my father and have talks about how do you react with police. You know, sometimes you're going to be you're going to be judged by the color of your skin and there's nothing that you can do about it. But I'm like, no, nah, dad, I can I can you know, I can I'm, I'm sweet. I'm charming. I'm handsome. Right. Yeah. It won't happen to me. <laughs> I can talk my way out yeah. of it. That's not how it works. When somebody is committed to misunderstanding you, then they won't ever try to understand you. So it's it's being able to and it's not. And, and, and a lot of people think white privilege is my life is easier. I'm not going to go through anything tough. Like people think I'm like, we're all like attacking them. And that's not what it is. All white privilege is, is that you'll never have your application thrown away, thrown away for having a two ethnic name. You'll never have to deal with, um, I wouldn't say you wouldn't have to deal with police brutality, but you'll never have to deal with something because of the color of your skin. And, and I just want people to know I, we're not attacking you. Like we don't, no. you know, we don't want you to, you know, feel like you're being attacked, but we want you to understand that, and that, that goes back to listening. We want you to understand that, man, there are some things that we experience simply because we're black. Like 
simply. And that's no other reason. We were we are perceived as a threat at times. And there will be times that we are we go through something and we realize that um, it was difficult trying to get through that transition. And it may have been the person making it difficult for us. Didn't like us just because we were black. Mm-hmm. Well, I did think of uh, what I was going to ask before. So obviously, I think anyone who watches this and um, hears you guys talk knows that you're okay with um, you know white people asking you those questions if they have a question about the difference or whatever. I mean, yeah. one of my favorite jokes of all time came from Ebony making a joke about race because we're – no, I know. What hold I on. Say, hold, I'll tell you. So um, when she was working at Louie's here in Broken Arrow, I was there, and we were talking about dogs, and I said something about – well, you know, I don't really like black dogs. And she goes, because they're black? <laughs> I mean, joking, completely joking around. But, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm white. You guys are black. And, like, I don't, I know that's easy for me to say, but I also think you guys feel that way, especially with the white privilege stuff you said. I mean, mm-hmm. there are obviously differences, but, I mean, that's just the facts is I'm white and you're black. So yeah. do you think other people would be comfortable? I mean, majority of people um, who are black would be okay with asking those questions that, like you guys were talking about. If, if approached in the right way. Go ahead, Ebony. I'm talking. Like I said, I'm, I'm trying. What question? I'm trying to understand. No. So you, you want us to you want us to ask questions uh, to understand more. And I, yeah. I think everyone is seeing that you guys are approachable and you're OK with that. But I just obviously most people who are watching this aren't going to come across you and be like, oh, there's Ebony. I can start asking her questions. So is do you think that is kind of the uh, the theme of of black people that they're OK with that? I don't think I can speak for all black people. Right, right, I know right. some, especially like at a time right now, I've seen a, a lot of us are mentally drained, yeah. exhausted. I know I was, I had to shut down my social media for a couple of days. It's, it's draining. So I'm not saying it's not okay. Um, you can definitely ask a friend of yours, but that's what we were saying. That's why there's documentaries out there. That's why there's so many books. There's too many, there's way too many resources, I think at our fingertips that we can take advantage of if you are uncomfortable to not ask a black person, don't let your uncomfortableness asking somebody black to just completely shut it down. Go out there and find something else. You don't have to ask a black person directly. Yeah. Go learn about it. Then once, like Wendell said, once you have a little knowledge, then go talk to a black person about it so that you at least can have a better understanding. Well, and that's you know? what, you know, I started this with is I, a big reason I wanted to do this is because I think a lot of people are afraid to ask those questions and are, are scared that they're going to um, offend you in some way. It, it depends on the intent in which they're asking. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I like, man, I've had friends come to me like, man, what is this? How can I fix it? And, and I've always said this, I'm not in the arena of educating adults. Like <laughs> yeah. been, you have been alive long enough. There are a significant amount of resources, but when it comes to kids, they're more, they're more easy to, speak to because they're a little bit more open. Now, I'm not trying to like, I don't, I don't force my opinions on kids. I don't do that. But when I speak to them and I talk to them, I let them get an understanding. Most of the time when you're older, you're stuck in your ways and you don't want to keep something that, that's right there in front of your face. Yes. I, I really don't mind answering questions. I never do. But it depends on the intent and what you're asking. If your intent is to argue with me, I, uh, yeah. I'm not. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and answer your questions just so you can give a rebuttal. Like Ebony said earlier, mm-hmm. I'm here to educate and I will help you as long as you come to me and you want to be helped and not want to just have confirmation bias. Okay. Well, my black friend said it's okay. Okay. 
he said it's okay. If I did it, then it, then it's fine. No, that's not the way that it should be. Like, if we want to move forward, then we have to have a true, uh, unbiased education. And you got to want to ask questions. I'm willing to answer them, but just yeah. depends on the intent what you're asking. Well, and that's uh, Ebony and I have had a conversation uh, of asking questions to where, like, she wanted to know why I thought Will Ferrell movies were funny. And the important question. Say, wait a minute, that's Will Ferrell is an angel. He don't is do that. Orange. Don't call me out like that. I'm really, I'm really offended that you don't like Will Ferrell. Listen, two movies, that's it. The rest Which of What? what? Sorry. <laughs> Listen. Okay, I can do um what's it called? The uh hold on, the election. What is it? Him and um, the campaign. Scott, campaign. The campaign. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. You don't really? like Ricky Bobby? No. Step brothers? Oh, I'm so tired of you. See, listen. <laughs> I'm so Y'all tired. Y'all not about to turn listen, this conversation Ricky, into no listen, Will Ferrell listen. conversation. We don't. I, mm. Yes, we are because Ricky <laughs> the greatest the, the greatest race car driver in this generation. Right, period. Ricky Bobby, shake and bake, baby. Yeah. No, yeah, first I'll give last. another time for y'all, but no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, El Diablo? <laughs> the Magic Man? Man, that's a really, really cool nickname. <laughs> uh, Not okay. even the elf. Next. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm glad we got to have that little break here first. But, and yeah. we were going back and forth uh, before we had this, and I was setting it up with y'all and saying, I sent you my first batch of questions. Like, hey, these are kind of the things I want to talk about. And um, you came back with, hey, maybe you ask about these things, too, because you wanted that platform to talk about. So I'm going to open it mm-hmm. up to you guys. Is there anything that you want to talk about? And um, maybe there's and not saying you have to ask me anything, but if you have any questions from my side of things, uh, feel free to ask and hopefully I can answer them. And if not, if that's not part of it, that's that's completely fine. But is mm-hmm. there anything that we haven't talked about that you really want to hit on today? Go ahead, Ebony. I was gonna say, should we delve deeper into some things? Um, oh, I feel like there's so much. And I'm trying to there, see there, if there's anything there that is, you sent me. There, there is, what are you saying, Wendell? There's so much history um, that you can dive into. Like, too much. When people talk about slavery, they think it was just something that was a long, 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 long time ago. Um, when when they talk about the Jim Crow South. They think it was something that was a long time ago. Um, I ain't finna sit here and give you a history lesson, but um, we talk about, and, and so many people talk about, well, all these people were slaves too. But when we talk about the foundations of America, we talk about the difference between indentured servitude and chattel slavery or cattle slavery. We talk about how indentured servitude, you were released after a few years with land, whether it was desirable or undesirable, you were released with land and you were able to go forward and live your life. With slavery, you were in it till you died or you escaped. That happened from, it happened, it started in 1619, but it went, it really picked up in 1660 um, when they, when the sugarcane plantations started in South Carolina. So it went all the way through 1865. They submitted the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. They went to, it went to 1865 and then it was the last day of slavery was in was in Texas, and that's what I had to teach. The last day of slavery ended in Texas in, in Galveston, and that's why we celebrate Juneteenth, which is a black holiday. And then after Juneteenth, then you got Reconstruction, which made um, which made black people essentially have to go back into slavery, 
And that's that's the part we're going to talk about is that they think just because we were free in 1865, that was the end of slavery. And that's not the end of slavery. The end of uh, when after black people were freed, they weren't allowed to have many skills. They weren't allowed to have many skills besides picking or farming or whatever. So they went into sharecropping, which you see an overwhelming amount of black people as sharecropping and tenant farmers. So when they while they were tenant farmers and sharecropping, the the people that would pay them or even law enforcement or people that were enforcing laws, they made people they made black people sign contracts that you can't work with anybody outside of this. And then they were still beat. They were still brutalized. So that wasn't the end of slavery. Yeah. And, we, and then you go through Reconstruction and then you go through the Jim Crow South and then you go through black codes and then you go through redlining and then you go to the war on drugs. And there's so much that consists all the way up through a, even the 1980s and 1990s when there were schools in the South that are still being desegregated. Yes. Like we're talking about now, there are schools, still schools in the South that are essentially segregated. So there's so much history that I I'm, I can't narrow it down to these few minutes, but like it, there's a lot that you can look up and people can start with black codes in the Jim Crow South. And I bought books uh, and the, the, the new Jim Crow, which talk about the school of pipe, uh, uh, school to prison pipeline. Like you can look into that. Um, there's several books, the souls of black folks by W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, there's so, 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 so many books that you can look up besides the I have a dream speech. There's so much stuff that you can read besides the I have a dream speech and I have been to the mountaintop. Like there's so much more that you can look into that. Um, look in, look at uh, Fannie, Fannie Lou Hamer. Look at uh, James Baldwin. Uh, look at, man, there's like, I'm just telling you, there's so many books out there that you can read. So much stuff that you can educate yourself on besides posting Martin Luther King Jr. memes on Facebook and um, going about it that way. That's so, the best way I can explain to you. So you think if if people are just more educated of what actually went on there, they'll understand uh, how, well, I guess how long, you, as you're mentioning, it wasn't the 1865 where it was just like a drop-dead time of ending. Yeah. Uh, you think people understand what the the struggle that has happened? Yeah, and then, you know, depends on what you do with it afterwards. Yeah. All the information, it depends. Like, I can garner a bunch of information. Like, my wife put my shoes up. Like, I have that information in my head. But if I don't actually go put my shoes up, then what was the point of me keeping that information? Or even what was the point of her telling you? Right. What you do with the information that you learn, it all depends. What you do with the information you learn depends on if you want to if you want a great future or not. Essentially, this is what I'm trying to say. Evan, do you have anything to add that we didn't didn't hit on? I here? just think people need to. I think I want people to understand um, the racial injustices that we're fighting for. You know, it's right. not just because George Lo George Floyd was murdered. That's the tip of the iceberg. There's so many things. Just like the racial disparity in, in incarceration. That's that's huge. I see a lot of people say, you know, black people make up 13%, but then they're this much percent of the prison system, but I want them to, why, why, you know? And they, they're so quick to say, well, it's because they're criminals, but it's it's deeper than that. It's so deep. And that's why, like Wendell was saying, um, the documentary 13th on Netflix, 
that's huge, huge to watch because that's a big problem. And then myself as a black woman, a pregnant black woman, um, black women are five times. Thank you. Black women are four times more likely to die during childbearing. Why? Like these, that bothers me. And I want people who don't look like me to be as bothered and to want to know why, like, why, why is that a thing? Why are we, this is all we're trying to do with the black matters movement is to just, we just, we want to be, we want to get it equal. We want to get more level. We're not trying to be better. We're not trying to get more. We're not trying to get better treatment. We're trying to get the same treatment. And I need people to understand that. And they're not. And it's frustrating. Well, and I actually want to follow up on that because the, the black lives thing, um, whenever I first asked you to do this, you know, I was kind of, I didn't give you a lot of details, be like, Hey, would you want to come and talk about the protest? And the first thing you asked me was, are you an all lives matter or black lives matter thing? Can you kind of explain, <laughs> kind of explain what you meant by that? Um, that was my way of seeing where I think what your mindset was before I would come on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been seeing a lot of the black lives matter versus all lives matter right now. Um, and it seems like a lot of the all lives matter people, um, they're literally just saying it as they hear black lives matter. It's like, but wait a minute, no, all lives matter. And they're not trying to, why are we saying black lives matter? Because they're putting an only in front of it instead of. Yes. Yeah. And that is, that's one thing that I think is super relatable to, I mean, if you're on the, the disaster that is Twitter, anyone who has had an opinion about anything, it's like, if you say uh, something that's bad about the, let's just say the looting, Somebody said something like, hey, don't do the looting. Like, oh, so you're okay with George Floyd getting killed. Like, just because you didn't mention that part, you're okay with it. And I think that is, I think that those two kind of go along with each other. It's like, well, no, no, no. Just because I'm saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that I don't think White Lives Matter. Doesn't mean that I don't think that. Exactly. That's not what it's saying at all in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. Brooks, I'm going to tell you something. The worst place to go to get discourse is Twitter. Like, Gosh, man, it's a mess. That is, that is the worst place to have, to have an open and honest conversation. Man, it's <laughs> like I've been on Twitter since its inception, and like it's a mess. So I would recommend, strongly recommend, that you don't ever <laughs> try yeah, to have. I, uh, the the big thing Twitter. I use it for in the past is sports, and now that th- those are all paused, I should should really shut it down uh, because no yeah. one else has anything to talk about. Cause like sports aren't here. So like right. all the people I follow are trying to talk about things that they don't necessarily know about. And that turns into like, you know, a lot of naive tweets and comments on there. Uh, not that there weren't before, but at least there was some sports sprinkled in there. You know, and a lot of people, I, I was on a zoom meeting with some, with some of my friends the other day and they said, man, with the COVID hitting and everything in front of us, it's it's and not going to work and it's made us slow down and have to actually deal with what's in front of us. Yeah. Right. Um, so we look at it as a problem, and yes, it is a problem, but at the end of this, how are we gonna find an active solution? Yeah, because I believe you know Black Lives Matter doesn't doesn't mean I don't believe every person's life doesn't matter. Exactly. But you to like and I and I had this um I had this kind of scenario um if you have two children okay you have two children um and you're showering one with attention showering one with attention the other one is going to try to do something funny or exciting to get your attention Stand because out, yeah. I want you to pay attention to me i want you to love me and then when you still don't pay attention to that 
then that child takes a golf club and freaking destroys your TV. And then you're going to be mad at that child. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the illness and not the, or you're looking at the symptom, but not the illness. So when people talk about the looting and the rioting, I, 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 I hate that people's businesses are being looted. I hate that people are having to start over. I really hate it. And that's, and that's a problem because some people have sunk their entire life savings into those businesses. I, I 100% get it. But if you focus more on looting and rioting and don't realize why it's happening, you, you're focusing on the illness and not the symptom. So if you are symptom and not the illness, if you don't focus on the virus, then you never, the looting and rioting doesn't stop. If you don't stop the killing of unarmed black men, then none of it stops. It will never stop. It will keep going and keep going and keep going like it has since the country's inception. So if you look at, if you stop the, stop the violence, everything else doesn't happen. Yeah. Cause it is, you know, protests we, included. We, we talked earlier that because of the protests, it, people are seeing that as a distraction in order to commit these crimes while other people are doing, um, you know, peacefully protesting and I like that you pointed that out because if these the police brutality doesn't happen, then all of a sudden the protest doesn't happen. Then all of a sudden the looting, the thing that follows that doesn't happen. So I think that's a, a really good point. Uh, you know, if we just started at the top and ended that, uh, n- everything below it wouldn't happen. Um, no, none, none of it happens. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why, if there's nothing to protest, you get a life if you're not protesting. <laughs> like, like, hey, you just want to get a get a, a group of people just walk around. Like, no. yeah, like, hey, let's, hey, let's go, you know, kick a can down the street. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So there's obviously <laughs> yeah. a point to that. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Before we wrap, we've been going for a little over an hour here, which I, I appreciate oh, wow. you guys. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, wow. Yeah. I know. I didn't think that at all. Yeah. So, I um, mean, usually time with me stands still. So, um, <laughs> okay. Anything uh, you guys want to get off your chest? We have a lot of people watching on Facebook right now. So. Anything they, that you want to? Are they saying anything? Yeah, yeah they, are that's they why asking I keep, any questions. Maybe I was gonna say, get their questions. Back. Well, and I, I meant to point <laughs> that out earlier. Every time I've been looking back here, I have the Facebook Live pulled up over here, so um, I'm trying I'm to read some too, of the questions. So. Um, oh, I have mine up. Uh, let's see here. I, I threw a couple in there as as we were going along, so. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's nothing that. Like some comments, uh, they weren't happy with your Will Ferrell thing, but uh, oh, good. They shouldn't, be. They shouldn't be. Okay. I'll do better. I'll do better. Will Ferrell deserves whatever. Deserves I'll do flowers. Yeah. So um, again, this is going to be available in podcast form, and um, I'll make sure and get you guys the link, and I'll post it on the Facebook Live as well. But um, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on on that too. If you guys want to keep an eye on the Facebook Live thing and maybe respond to. If there's a question sure. you can answer, because I'd, I'd like, you know, although I was the one asking the questions, just the way Facebook works is I'm sure people are going to be watching this later. Um, so if anybody has questions that I can't, obviously, mm-hmm. if I can answer them, I'll, I'll do that. But um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty that I can't. Um, well, and guys. I'm looking through these comments and it's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, is there anything that you right, see? What are you seeing? Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of it is, a lot of it is, is, they're happy we're having this conversation. Like, and, and, and I was, when Ebony, or uh, Ebony's sister Amber approached me about it, I'm always like, oh yeah, cool, cool. And then <laughs> as the days came, I got a little nervous because, because I'm, you know, worried about talking. Like I said, I'm a talker. 
<laughs> but I, I wanted it to actually be an open and honest discourse because at the end of this, I want I want to heal. I want to, you know, not go back to life as it was because everybody asks, oh, I want just stuff to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. Nope. I don't want, I don't want it to go back to where we're, we're continually having these issues. Like I'm glad that we're able to have these open and honest conversations. When we have these open and honest conversations and people take them to heart, like actually take them to heart and care about them, that's when the healing happens. Um, I will ask this uh, one real quick question because uh, somebody pointed out, uh, do you think Colin Kaepernick deserves an apology? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because he tried to he yes. did it. And I mean, and there's been several conversations that has nothing to do with the military, has nothing to do with disrespecting, you know, the flag. It has more so to do with, you know, I am kneeling in protest of what is happening right now. Like I need, I need you to, and there's nobody's ever going to agree with the protest. Not everybody will ever agree with anything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you get a, how do you get somebody's attention that doesn't want to pay attention? Do something and, different, and exactly. Yeah, and I need to get your attention. Someone brought up the uh, the Drew Brees thing, which was a follow up to the Kaepernick thing yesterday. Did you guys see that the Drew Brees thing? Yes, I saw the Drew Brees thing. I'm a football fan, so yeah. So basically, I, um, for anyone who didn't see it, basically he was asked about. When the NFL returns, um, is he going to be okay with people kneeling um, now since everything has happened? Are uh, people kneeling during the national anthem like Colin Kaepernick did? And he said he will never be okay with anything that dis- disrespects the flag and disrespects this country. Um, and I, I think that just on my side of things, I heard him say that. And yeah. I think I took it. So here's my issue with the, the backlash on it is, Drew Brees is this guy who's been this stand-up citizen. I mean, helped mm-hmm. the city of New Orleans in 2010. Uh, you know, a, a very black city, New Orleans, uh, come back from Katrina. And then mm-hmm. he's had these, like, Person of the Year award, I think he had it in 2010. And anyway, and then all of a sudden, he says one thing. And then, just again, I'm going off of Twitter reaction, so mm-hmm. take it for what it is. But people are saying, oh, I'll, he's racist now. Like, he had all this good juju, and then, you know, all these good things he had done, and then all of a sudden he says one thing that people don't agree with. And I don't know if, if you guys heard the full interview to his question, yeah. because a lot of people were just posting that part. But he went on to say, you know, uh, his, his grandparents, or his, uh, both his uh, granddads served in the military. He thinks of them during that, and he acknowledged there's problems in, you know, in the country and everything. So I took it as, like, um, he he under I thought he completely understood that was never Kaepernick's intent or anyone yeah. who did it. He just it wasn't for him. Like he was he was not okay with that part because in his mind that did disrespect the flag in our country. I mean, right but, or wrong, that I, that's just how I I took it. Oh, of course. Yeah. But but what Drew Brees has to also understand is that not only did his grandparents fight, but our grandparents right. fought well, and yes. they came back they came back to. Um, denying of housing loans. Like they couldn't live in Levitt towns that were being built in New York. They were denied the GI Bill. They were mm. able to eat in restaurants. Like there's a lot that went on and Drew Brees was only looking at it from his perspective and didn't understand that just as much as your parents and grandparents fought, our grandparents fought too. And they were still met 
and they and they sacrificed their lives for people who did not care for them. Yeah. So he had to understand that outside of your thought process, you have to consider everybody else. But is you he know? not okay to just disagree with that form of protesting? Well, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's grown. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> whatever he wants to disagree with. Yeah. But what you have to understand is that people think freedom of speech is being able to say what you want. And like, just because like uh, freedom of speech comes with its consequences. So just because you're free to say what you want to say does not mean you're free from the actions that follow. Yeah. So we can disagree. We can have, an, again, have an honest discourse. And I know he put out an apology this morning, but sometimes you got to read the room and know what's going on within the room and, with, and, and what's going on with your fellow man. So, I mean, Drew Brees felt how he felt about it, and everybody else is going to continue to feel how they feel yeah. about it. But what we have to understand is that how do we fix the problem after this is over, after the kneeling, after that? How do we fix it? That's the question that needs to be answered. Well, guys. I'm not just donating money. Like, I'm down with people that donate money. Yeah. Um, we, actually, I'm glad you said that. Have you guys heard of uh, this website? It's called 8canwait.org. Yes. Okay, yes. I just wait. Eight can wait. Um, basically, what it is is it's a nonprofit, a project by Campaign Zero, and then they've come up with these eight different things that need to happen with police departments that would decrease police violence by seventy-two percent. Um, and so they're trying to get those done. And there's a list of them. Uh, there's a couple of them that are that seem kind of obvious, and then a couple I'm like, I don't really get it. But you can. It's the number eight. Can't wait. Dot org. Yeah. Okay. Can't. Sorry. Sorry. I said can before. It's can't wait. <laughs> no. So. No. No. You're right. I, I just pulled it up. Oh, okay. So. Um. Anyway, that's kind of cool, and, and they do have a way for you to donate to their cause, and so I just wanted mm-hmm. to, if somebody's like looking for somewhere to go, like, okay, where do we? If I donate money, where does it? You know, who's going to take this and do something good with it? Um. From every mm-hmm. all the research I've done with them, I mean, that sounds like something that would that would be an option for that. So. Yes. yes. Well, guys, I appreciate this so much. Hopefully you got something out of this because I know I did. And hopefully the people watching on Facebook Live got something out of it and listened to the podcast or whatever. So thank you guys so much for having a, a real conversation and uh, know that that I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm behind you. If there's anything I can do, if you see yeah. my platform as a way that can make a change, let me know. Um, and- I will. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm about to send you a text right now with, with a list. Of oh, I already, I already uh, got it. It's coming. I already got a paragraph yeah. from Ebony. So it's coming. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Have a good day. We really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Uh, see you. See you.